All right, let me make this statement as getting started off for tonight. Uh, fasting and prayer is the key to breakthrough. Fasting and prayer. Now, I didn't say just fasting, but fasting and prayer. So we're starting our fast, uh, and so that means that we're, we're not going to just, you know, say no to food, but we're also going to say yes to prayer. Um, and that, that's what brings the breakthrough, because prayer is our humanity literally deferring to God's strength. So we're saying, Lord, I, I'm as strong as I can be, and that's as be- this is the best I can be. Some of y'all are pretty strong, but you're not as strong as God. Matter of fact, you're not as strong as this life, to be honest with you. Life has pressures and all kinds of things that overwhelm us. So what we need is his strength, right? So when I begin to pray and fast, but especially prayer, that's the key right now, when I'm praying while I'm fasting, that's me deferring. God, I'm saying I need your strength. God, I need your help. And when you do it, it's powerful. James 5.16 says this, confess your trespasses to one another. What's trespasses mean? It means sin. And pray for one another. Pray for one another. Maybe we should be doing that more often. Come and think about that. Maybe on, maybe on Thursday nights we should spend some time just grab the person's hand next to you and begin to pray. There's something about back in the old. Sometimes I like to go back to the old school days. I don't know about you. See, some of you don't know about the old school. That's the problem. You don't know about the old school days. I think it's part of my responsibility to bring them back in Jesus' name. Now, some of it you're going to love. Some of it you're not going to love. Because some of the old school days means you got four or five-hour services. Now, some of y'all, I can't even do that anymore. I don't know if I can do that anymore. Look at Diana. She goes, I can. I know you can. I'm not sure I can, praise God. That's a long time. But remember back in the days, especially Pente- we were raised Pente- Pentecostal, speaking in tongues. Then people, that was, that was everything. Church was everything because you weren't allowed to do nothing else. You weren't allowed to breathe unless you did it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can listen to music. I mean, nothing. All you had was church. So you stayed at church all day long, and that's what you did. And so I grew up Pentecostal. A lot of you did too. And so that's kind of one of those things. But, um, but boy, when you talk about knowing how to pray, they may not know how to live kind of by confessing God's word. They may not be, you know, know all the different Hebrew words and Greek words and have the deep revelation truths and all that. But they had a deep understanding and revelation of what it meant to grab hold of what they would call the altar of God, the horns of the altar, and they would not let go until they saw breakthrough. Many of those people fell into trances and everything else because they were willing to stay in the presence of the Lord. So um, I like to bring some of that because back because some of y'all, and we used to pray for one another, lay hands on each other. Pastor, now, now go up, get out your seat, whoever you feel led to go pray for, just go ahead and pray for it. And I got to the place, so I did that in the beginning of our ministry, but then it gets a little scary too because some people aren't mature, praise God. So we got, we got men that only came on those nights, praise God, because they love to lay hands on the women folk. Amen. They felt led to pray for all kinds of ladies. Hallelujah. I noticed they didn't pray for no man, but pray for a lot of ladies. So sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We still need both, right? We still need. But look what it says. Confess your trespasses to one another's sin. Pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, that is, that's universal, avails or prevails much, okay? So <clears throat> prayer is effective. Bottom line, period. Prayer is effective. Now, what happens to us during the time of prayer is something called time, and we get involved in time. Then we begin to doubt because we don't think it's going to happen because we're still wrestling within our time frames. Some praying we do happens very quickly. Some praying we do can take up to years before it's fulfilled, but we don't give up. 
We started our 21-day fast today, fasting and praying, and there's all kinds of different fasts that you can choose. For those that want to know uh, kind of what I'm doing, um, my wife and I'm all our household are doing different things. Um, and, and, but we're, but we're, we're, I'm doing the one meal a day, uh, giving up sugar. Somebody say amen. That's a good thing. And so, uh, some people are doing, uh, they're, they're doing the Daniel's fast. It's actually a 21 day fast where they give up, uh, they give up meat and just stick with vegetables. By the way, just Google that. It'll tell you all the things that you can have on a Daniel's fast. They'll give you recipes and all kinds of stuff and you stay nourished, but you're still saying no to certain things that you probably will like. Some people can't give up food, so they end up giving up other things like treats and stuff like that, uh, sugar, or they'll give up pop and stuff like that that they can do um, because they have to take medication so they can't give up food. But they, they, they look for creative ways to begin to do that process. There's all kinds of things. you. Can, some people just do a liquid diet, a liquid fast rather, and they just do it for 21 days straight. Uh, my wife is doing seven days straight. She's doing nothing but liquid fast. And then she'll probably do something a little bit different unless she feels led to continue to go forward. Um, I'm, and this is what we say. Don't feel condemned if you can't do it. Just pick up the next day. Go, just, so, just know today you did sacrifice. You may say, I didn't make it all the way to the end. All right, but you did sacrifice. Do it again the next day. See if you can go a little bit further the next day. I'm just trying to give you some understanding. Don't, it's not really my message tonight. But just don't get under that kind of burden. But give up something. And then get involved in prayer because that's really the key, okay? So um, here's what I want to say. So what is the outcome that we are all looking for at the end of these 21 days? Every person in the room is looking for the same thing. We're looking for, for some sort of breakthrough, right? Something has not moved for us. It has not moved. We want it to move in the name of Jesus. A biblical key to a breakthrough in our lives is when we combine fasting and prayer together. So this man was demon-possessed, and, and the disciples went out two by two, and they were doing all kinds of great things. But one, they came back to Jesus and said, look, we tried to pray for this man. He was demon-possessed, and we could not cast out the devil. And we cast out many before, and we've watched you do it as well. We've all done it. But why couldn't we cast the devil out? And he said these words, this kind. Everybody say this kind. Sometimes you face a this kind of situation, Right? This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting, okay? So it's not enough just to command the devil come out. You've got to have some preparation before challenging him because some spirits are very strong and very rooted, and they're not just going to give up because you said a little, blade, little uh, flip of prayer and without having any power and authority. So that fasting, I'll talk about the reason why that happens in a moment, but prayer comes strong, becomes strong when you begin to enter into fasting. The point is that prayer and fasting combined can remove our unbelief. It empowers our prayer lives as a result. And when prayer alone doesn't work, prayer mixed with fasting will bring the breakthrough no matter what because the Bible says it will. That's why it's tough to do. Why do we do it corporately as a church? Well, we're supposed to, number one, but also because we can encourage each other because it's not easy to do. So we encourage each other to continue to move forward. So every time, check your social media. I'm going to be on daily, and I will give you a little something that you can have, and we'll, we'll be encouraging one another, okay? So what does fasting do? Number one, fasting shows humility. Humility is what lifts you up. Humility is what brings you strength. Saul is, um, considers himself a Pharisee to Pharisees, uh, he considers himself somebody who's doing the work of God by having Christians that, that, that bear the name of Jesus uh, either imprisoned or stoned to death or killed somehow. 
And so he's going out and he's, now, he's chasing down Christians, right? Like they did not that long ago, within one generation away from us. And the Holocaust, and they were, they were going in, in Germany, in different parts of Russia, and they're going in and hunting down Jewish people, right, to, to take them and to have them killed. Now, he had, Saul was practicing his, what he thought was his right to judge. But how many knows that God is the last judge? So when you start feeling judgment come on you, that's not God, unless God's dealing with you by a specific matter. But the truth of the matter is, if it's something you're not getting the breakthrough uh, through, Four, rather, and it's something that you, is it my microphone or is it just something going on in another room? Damn kids, I got to watch you, man. <laughs> Ever since my daughter took over, it's gotten crazy in there. Um, so anyways, um, it threw me off, sorry. So uh, where was I? Saul. <laughs> he was chasing these Christians, right? And so um, the Bible says that the Spirit of God visited him. And when they visited him, uh, he visited, got, the Spirit of God visited him, locked him off of his camel, and the Bible says he couldn't see. He couldn't see. For days he couldn't see. Now look what it says here in verse number 9 of Acts chapter 9. It says, and, we, and he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So he's on a fast. Why? He needs a breakthrough. He needs to have his sight returned to him. And by the way, when his, when his sight left him and he was knocked down and the Spirit of God spoke to him, Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Um, he was humbled by that. It humbled him. It knocked him literally off his high horse, if you will, knocked him to the ground and said, oh, I'm not doing what is right. As a result, look at verse number 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. Talking about Saul, which become Paul. Kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's fasting. He's praying. Catch that, church. Read it in your Bible. If you got it right now, go back to Acts chapter 9 and read it. He's fasting and praying God sends somebody to bring him deliverance and give him a breakthrough. Number two, fasting demonstrates repentance. Can I just teach this tonight? I might preach, but let me just teach. Number two, fasting demonstrates repentance. So it, it does demonstrate humility, but also, also repentance. In Joel's day, the Bible says that, that, that there was a judgment that was set against Israel in a spiritual one. But the Bible says that as a result, Israel needed to repent. Now, I just heard a word. I might share this word on Sunday um, uh, from uh, a man by the name of uh, Kent Christmas and also uh, by those who might remember this one by the name of Kenneth Copeland. And they both got words out there. Now, Kent Christmas had the word about three years ago that went viral. For the, you know, he's been, he's been a prophet forever, and, but he, his word went viral about three years ago. And um, he's got a new one this year that's going viral again. And uh, it was given to me by Prophet Miller. He said, have you, have you read this or seen this? Yes, I haven't. And I listened to it. My wife and I did it on the way in, and it really, really blessed me. And what I like what he said about one portion of that was that he said, you know, he said this coming year that a lot of what God's going to do is not just, for the not just for the church, but also for the sinner, those who do not have the convenience of knowing who he is. He's going to reveal himself to them. 
and it's really interesting how he's how he's breaking it down. But then he said, um, he said also he said to my church, he said um, he said I need these things of you, and he begins to list out the things. God lists out the things for the church, and I'll I'll get either I'll get that to you, we'll watch it, or I will get it to you somehow. Uh, I'll share it maybe on Facebook. I'll, I'll figure out how to do it. So, anyways, um, my point is that it's interesting that God deals with the church differently than does, does the world. There's always a requirement with the church because he holds us to a different standard than the world. Does that make sense? And so same is true with the time of Joel where all this judgment can stop, this famine can stop, but what you've got to do is you've got to learn to repent. Okay? So Joel chapter 2 verse 12 says, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Rend your heart, not your garment. Didn't Jesus teach us the same thing? He said, look, I'm interested in what's going on on the inside of the cup. You're, you're wanting to wash the outside so everybody thinks it looks good. But did you wash the inside? God's always wanting to deal with the matters of the heart and not the outside appearance. We can always look holy and not be living holy. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Okay? So God says, I'll turn. By the very beginning, he said, but you've got to come to me with fasting and with weeping. Okay? Now, we know weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But there's something about going to God and saying, God, I've been wrong. I, I haven't lived right. I, I've, 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 I've messed up here. I've sinned. I've, I've fallen short of your glory. And during the time of fasting prayer, which we set forth these next 21 days, this is what we should be doing. We should be repenting. I know you want to ask God every day about how, you know, what you need, but don't forget, I need to get things right with him too. God cannot resist your repentance. I mean, he can resist anything, but think about it. He never can resist your repentance. He always wants to fix the problem. Number three, fasting appeals to God for forgiveness and pardon. Fasting appeals to God for his forgiveness and a pardon. In other words, to let you go. Ahab was a king of Israel described as one who did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than those before him. You find that in 1 Kings chapter 16. He was an evil man, an evil king. But when God spoke to him through Elijah with a prophecy of this impending judgment that was coming to him and his kingdom, look what happened in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 27. When he hears the word. By the way, we always like to get a good word. Speak something kind to me, Lord, right? But it's very difficult when we get a challenging word. A word that says, you're off, you're wrong, repent, or else. Some of y'all don't know God talks like that. He don't just overlook your sin. What he is, he's full of mercy and grace. He gives you time to fix the problem. But after a while, the time runs out. And now judgment comes as a result. As merciful he is, is how severe he can be. Judgment can come. And the Bible says judgment starts in the house of God. Boy, if anything, he's come back to the house of God, and that's the fear of the Lord the respect and admonition of God. Boy, you won't be cussing like you've been cussing. You won't be living like you've been living. Huh? 
I'm tired. Nah, baby, I'm, I'm Jesus. No, I'm trying to be nice in 2020. I'm trying to be nice in 2020. But I'm tired of our people just out there in sin and then making justifications for it. And then after a while, they make no justification for it. They're just going to sin and then say, Jesus, hallelujah, praise God, pass the mashed potatoes. And living like the devil the rest of the week. I'm preaching good now. I'm trying to teach this thing. But I get aggravated. Sometimes it's not just me being aggravated. That's the spirit of God that's very, very aggravated with his people that should know better and do know better, but do what they want anyways. If you get pregnant and you're not, and you do not have a husband, I am not going to celebrate with you on Facebook and go, well, praise the Lord. God just gave you a beautiful gift. I am grateful to God that you got the guts to have that child. Grateful to God. And we'll help you in any way that we can. But I don't believe we ought to celebrate somebody's sin and say, oh, it's just another, it's just what happens sometimes. It's not like you trip and fell. You're in sin. What you should write is this. I'm so ashamed of what I have done. God give me grace and forgive me, but I'm going to do all I can to love this child. I pray that you will pray with me and love me and help me through this process. And I'll do, I will break my back to help you. Break my back to help you. Anyway, praise the Lord. Is that too tough? It's shocking for some. It shocks people sometimes. But it's either true or it's not true. But when God spoke to him through Elijah, what would happen, he's, the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 21, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. Ahab, y'all. Jezebel Ahab. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. He's walking, that means he's walking on eggshells, right? Because I don't know, is God, is he going to get me? What's going to happen here? I hope he's hearing me. He fasted and he prayed. And then what God do? Even though he was wicked because he fasted and prayed and asked for God to help him, God withheld his judgment. First Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Some of y'all say humble, humble themselves, humble, right? If you're humble, now we'll find something about what does humble mean? We'll find out that humble means fasting and prayer. So when you fast and pray, you are humbling yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God's not trying to kill nobody. He's not out to get you. He's trying to get you to understand. I am a just judge. I cannot be one way with you and not the same way with somebody else. I'm just. I'm trying to tell you, get this thing right. I'm giving you a stay of time to make things right so that I don't have to, my judgment will not have to come because my gavel's about to come down. Tell me you don't want that. Humble yourself. 
Pray, fast, seek me. I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal, hear from heaven, and I'll heal your land. How do we restore passion to our relationship with God? The biblical answer is to humble ourselves before him with prayer and fasting. Number four, fasting appeals to God for his protection. Appeals to God for his protection. Ezra 8, 21 and 23 says this. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey, for protection for us and our children with our possessions What's the result? Verse 23, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Are you getting excited about this now? So putting down the food and pushing back the fork, it actually does work. It really does. And what does it say? Again, in verse number 21, it said, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God. So that we will what? Ask for his safety. Ask for his protection. And God answered what he granted to them what they had cried out for. Amen? So we need protection for our children, do we not? We need protection for our family. We need protection for our businesses. We need protection for, you know, maybe this is by the Spirit of God. I feel this might be for somebody. This is prophetic that, you know, you've been praying for a daughter that's been in in an abusive relationship. You know, but if you mix the fasting with the prayer, because it's like there has not been results. It's just one abuse after the other. If you'll mix fasting and prayer, watch what God does over the next 21 days in that relationship. It will either be healed or she will be out of his life, him out of her life forever. Because sometimes people that have been abused think that's what they deserve. And then they end up dying as a result of that. They get, they, get, they get killed or as a result of that. And you think, how could this? How that, never. He wouldn't kill her. Of course, that's what happens in these situations. Yeah. So you need to pray. Pray and fast. Pray and fast. Number five, fasting appeals to God for victory. Fasting appeals to God for victory. I have a couple examples, but Jehoshaphat's my favorite because Jehoshaphat, he, he was the king and he had, uh, he had peace in his kingdom, if you recall. He, was, he hadn't been war in a long time. God had given him many victories. But God would not allow him to go against particular ones, Mount Seir um, and um, um, the Syrian armies. He wouldn't let him go against them. Well, guess what happened? They made a pact and came up against Israel. And now he's unprepared. Feels unprepared. Fear strikes him. He doesn't know what to do. But the Bible says what he did do was he went to the te- temple. And there he rent his clothes, put on sackcloth, begin to pray and said, I will not eat until you speak to me. I'm going to fast until I get a breakthrough. I'm going to fast until something happens because I don't know. I'm the king, and they're all looking at me for an answer, and I don't have an answer, right? So statement, fasting places us in the position. By the way, you all know the story, right? But Joseph had, he got the victory. He got a supernatural, bona fide breakthrough miracle of God. God defeated his enemies for him supernaturally, and it took him three days to pick up all the spoil, all the gold, all the silver, all the rubies, all the gems, everything. They became very wealthy. So it looked like it was an overwhelming attack against Jehoshaphat and Israel. God actually used to bless them and to promote them. Fasting places us in the position to receive from God's hand a protection from harm and victory over our enemy. 
It is not that God withholds these blessings from us, but that we have been blindsided by the enemy into living below our privilege. Fasting prayer opens our eyes to see the, the things that are right and right perspective so that we cast off our insecurity and embrace an expectation of continual blessing and favor. That's what I want to see in this church. That's why I want to kick this off in this church. I want to see it just, just flow all year long, just flow and flow and flow. And maybe we won't do just one 21-day fast. Maybe spring we might do another one. And, and kick in the resurrection and, uh, what, you know, what Jesus did for us and, and uh, Passover and all that. And maybe do it again in the fall time and do atonement the same way. I don't know. I just feel like God's wanting us to do this. Number six, fasting assures a strong walk with God. Did you hear that? It assures. And that's what we want. <laughs> we want a strong walk with God. It assures that. Um, when we have trouble maintaining consistency in our walk with God, it, it is usually because it does not come natural to deny ourselves and put God in his interests ahead of our own. It's, we always want what we want. We are selfish creatures. We all are. Uh, fasting and prayer helps assure more consistency in our walk with God because it develops a lifestyle of self-denial, and that, friends, is not easy. Day one was probably tough for some of you. Day two might be a little tougher. I don't know. For some of you, it might be a little better. I don't know. I just know you're going to hit a wall at some point and go, oh, man, I just don't want to do this. And my, my thing to you is just keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. But if you do, get right back up on it and finish the course. Finish the course. Not the course, not the meal. Amen. Not, the, not an extra course. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Praise God. Um, that was a terrible, terrible joke. But anyways, I felt it needed to break the tension. All right. So... My point to you is, is that it brings a walk with God because um, there's something about when you deny yourself with him that you feel, in, you're, it's like psychological in a way. You feel as if um, I'm taking him seriously. And if I'm taking him seriously, I know him, he's going to take me seriously too. It's just an automatic thing, right? Um, look at Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. How often do we take up the cross? Daily and follow me. Boy, that convicts me big time. I'm not too sure I'm taking up the cross daily. I'm not too sure I'm taking up the cross weekly. I mean, I got my attitudes. I got my problems. But when I deny myself, I feel so much closer to him. When I decide I'm going to pray, even when I don't want to pray, come on, you know how that is. Has anyone ever done that before you meet? It's the last thing you want to do. And then you did it, and we start crying like a baby going, I can't believe I fought this so hard. I love you so much. See, that's how it works, right? He begins to, he begins to reciprocate. Um, number seven, fasting intensifies hearing God. Absolutely 100%. Some of you are going to hear him for the first time. Some of you are going to hear him again. Some of you, he's going to blow your mind with what he tells you. Um, Acts chapter 13, 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. Now they didn't have a clue. Barnabas and Saul was a part of their group together. But as they fasted and prayed, God spoke. Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted 
and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Number eight, fasting brings divine rewards. Fasting brings divine rewards. Matthew 6, 16, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. So don't look like you're fasting. Or should I say to you, they have the reward. So if someone pats you on the back, oh, look at you, you must be fasting. There's your reward. <laughs> I don't want that. I won't bet my reward. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to, be, to men to be fasting. Look fresh. Look good, right? The whole idea of what he's saying here is don't try to get pity from other people, right? Whew, I've been fasting. This is day, well, day one, but hey, it's been a tough day. Whew, right? I think I'm going to pass out. Uh, but to your father, he said, he said, but to your father... Uh, who is in the secret place, your father who sees in secret will reward you how? Openly. Fasting brings divine rewards. God sees what you're doing. He will reward your obedience. And number number nine, fasting brings divine revelation. Oh, yeah, it opens you up to hear. It opens you up to receive light where there was darkness. Moses fasted. When he fasted, God called him up to the mountain. And he received the Ten Commandments. Jesus, he was in the wilderness. He fasted 40 days, 40 nights. Then what happened? He came out knowing who he was in the power of the Spirit. He had divine revelation of who he was. And lastly, number 10, fasting empowers us for spiritual warfare. And I'm telling you right now, if you think you can skate by without spiritual warfare... Uh, you're just kidding yourself. And I will probably begin to teach some of this because um, some people will come under attack. Now, here's the good news. I just taught on Sunday that the devil does attack. And we don't have to be afraid of that. We get it. He attacks. But here's the good news. He doesn't attack always. Everything, just because you've got a bill in the mail does not mean it's a demonic attack. Come on now. Let's be real here. That's just life, right? No, just because something go your way doesn't mean that's an attack. We're being attacked by the devil. No, I don't mind him getting the credit for something that's bad, but let's be realistic. That's not true. Uh, so he doesn't attack always. Um, that's good news. And number two, when he does attack, it, he will lose if we understand God's principles, right? And the even better news is that even though he does attack, it doesn't last long. He's likened into a storm because a storm comes in, blows in, and it blows out. 40 days and 40 nights. It sounds like a long time, but 40 days, not 40 years. The only reason why the children of Israel were in the battle for 40 years in the wilderness is because of their stiff neck, their pride, their rebellion. They didn't listen to what God told them to do. They thought they could do it without him. Okay? So we got to learn from that lesson, right? So the devil may attack at times, but just watch this, watch this. When he comes to attack, we get the victory. Daniel was on a fast. <coughs> Excuse me, it was not called the Daniel's fast. There, he didn't have a book. He didn't have Jensen Franklin's book. He didn't have any of that stuff, right? He wasn't following nobody in TBN, Daystar, and all the rest of them places. He didn't know anything. He just was on a fast, okay? And so on that fast, as he's praying and fasting, um, he begins to pray, and he's going through hell, through hell. And all of a sudden, on the 21st day, an angel appears to him. 
He sees it. So all of a sudden, divine favor opens up to him. Divine, I mean, the, the world of God, supernatural, opens up to him. He sees it. It's fasting prayer. And the angel says to him, look, I would have been here sooner. Know this, Daniel, that the moment you opened your mouth to pray, God heard your prayer and sent me. But a great warfare took place because the enemy did not want you to receive what God had for you. So I had to fight him. It was such a tremendous battle that I had to call, call for backup. I called Michael. Gabriel said, I called Michael and his angel. They had to come and back me up to fight this prince of Persia from getting you the answer. So he was saying to him, thank you for not stopping because your prayer and fasting is what gave us the strength to fight. We are so connected here. That's why the enemy don't want you to pray. That's why you get so tired. That's why, look, some of y'all, you, you, you could fast any time. Some of y'all had coffee in the morning, forgot to get breakfast, skipped the lunch. We're hungry, but you made it to dinner and nobody died. But the moment you make a decision, tomorrow I'm not going to have any food. Oh, my God. You woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm so hungry. I'm starving to death. Isn't that the truth? I mean, all you think about is food. You can smell foods like, like five miles away because your flesh does not want to do what's right, and the enemy will attack you, right? But if you keep on, God's about to send you back up from heaven. Somebody say amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise about it.